fantastic. Well, if you don't know me, my name's Brogan. I'm one of the team here at St. Thomas's. I'm training as a vicar and I'm married to uh, Beth, who's just at the back there, with my mum and dad, Pius and Jill. Who, yeah, let's get, have a whoop for Pius and Jill. Some of you all know them. If you met them once, you won't forget them. Um, let's, uh, in a good way. Uh, if you've got one of these scripture journals, I would love you to open it up with me to Ephesians 1. And we've got these as an invitation to annotate and to read, to mark and to inwardly digest God's word together. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to 14. And then we'll unpack these verses together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, may be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fantastic. Well, we're starting a new sermon series today, working through the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, and it's called Five Lies That Are Ruining Your Life. It is deliberately provocatively titled because God's word grasps us, and so the sermon series that we preach on it should also be titled in ways that grasp us. And what we're here doing here is we are contrasting with the glorious truth of being God's holy people, the faithful in Christ Jesus, that's verse one, with some of the lies that we believe that hold us back from living out this identity that we have been given as children of God. And the first lie that we're going to challenge this week is an idea that many of us seem to have learnt on some sort of subconscious level. And that lie is that we are not wanted. And we're going to unpack what we might mean by that. We're going to unpack how we might learn that. And we're going to unpack some of its effects. 
Now, uh, changing track a little bit to illustrate this. This is not the way that I <laughs> thought I was going to announce this, um, but m- many of you already um, know that my wife Beth is pregnant, which is fantastic. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, um, and we're expecting a baby in March of 2022. And we are so excited and we are so thankful to everyone who's been praying for us, especially over the last um, three or four months. Now, as we've told people this, one of the things that people have said is, congratulations. And then they've paused and they've looked a little bit awkward. And they've said something along the lines of, so was this a, um, a nice pleasant surprise or and then their voice sort of trails off because they they don't know how they're going to complete that sentence as a side note the one person who had absolutely no hint of this reaction um and knows who, how much i love my big family is my irish nan who's probably watching on the live stream right now and her comments can basically be summed up as well it's about time and uh, <laughs> nan i love you thank you for that phone call it was amazing You see, we have got this narrative in our culture that life can either be intended or unintended, which often morphs, albeit unintentionally often, into wanted and unwanted. I spend a lot of my time talking with you, my church family at St. Thomas's. It's a privilege to do so. But this comes up time and time again. You can only apply for so many jobs and hear not even a word of response, not even a thank you for applying before you begin to ask, gosh, am I really actually wanted? You can only have so many failed relationships before something in the back of your mind goes, does anyone really want me? It takes just one betrayal from a friend to knock the legs out from under us and make us think, gosh, did they, did they actually want me or did they just need something from me? Am I really wanted? And this lie ruins lives in all sorts of ways. It's often easier to see it, how it ruins the lives of those whom we love deeply than in our own. But try some of these on for size. It shapes the way that we engage in social situations. Am I wanted in this room? Am I wanted in this party? Am I wanted in this conversation? It drives us to workaholism, trying to prove our worth. It ruins marriages. It undermines friendships. It traps people in harmful relationships that they stay in because for the first time in life, they felt wanted. And as followers of Jesus, it can sometimes drive us to rebel against God in order to make ourselves wanted by the world. Lies ruin lives, but the truth sets us free. The world, intentionally or unintentionally, communicates you are not wanted The Bible says, as we've read, in Christ, you are chosen. So let's read this passage, work through it together. And what we're going to see is this. Firstly, in Christ, we are chosen. Because we're chosen, we're adopted. And because we're adopted, we're sealed with the Spirit. And we'll go into what that word sealed means there. If you want three points to hang this around, they're chosen, adopted, sealed. Firstly, then, we are chosen chosen. The big picture of what Paul is doing in the first half of this letter is this. 
He's explaining to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, verse 1, who they are. In other words, he's doing in the first half of the letter, he's explaining in the first half of the letter what he has declared in the first verse. And they, the God's holy people in Ephesus, they were baptised with these words. I baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Those are the words we've just baptised Abby with today. We're learning from the same letter. So what's true for them is true for us. This could have written, although it'd been very prescient of Paul to know this, to God's holy people in Newcastle, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And now the first way that Paul defines what it means to be God's holy people is in verse four. Find it with me. He says this. He explains what the spiritual blessing is that God gives to his people. He says, for God chose us in him, that's Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. If you've got a pen, circle that word chose. You see, contrary to what we often subconsciously believe, as followers of Jesus, we are not unwanted. Rather, we are chosen. And what is the manner of this chosen? Well, read on for just a couple of of words. It's not a light or a momentary decision. It was God's purpose before the creation of the world. Think about this. Before he created Everest, he chose you. Before he filled up the Atlantic Ocean, he chose you. Before he flung stars and galaxies into space, he chose you. God doesn't just want you in theory, he chooses you in practice. And now consider this, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, it is solely because God chose you. It wasn't as if you and I looked through an Argos catalogue of religions and suddenly thought, oh, Christianity, that looks like a nice idea, and then decided to follow Jesus, meaning that Everything is on us. The moment that we undecide, the moment that we've read the text wrong, we're in trouble. No. It was because God, in his mercy, looked at us and chose us. And there is nothing that any person in this world could do that would change that most fundamental identity. There is no number of knows on a job application that can change that fundamental identity. There is no number of broken relationships that can change that fundamental identity. There is no number of betrayals, no matter how hurtful, that could change that fundamental identity. That you are chosen in Christ. And this choosing results in your adoption. Verse 5. In love, he predestined, getting that idea of choosing in again, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Now, in the last week, it's been National Adoption Week. Many of you will know Beth and Gary and they're in our congregation. I chatted to them about this beforehand, who are in the process of adopting, and they were sharing this on Instagram. And it was wonderful to hear some of the amazing things that God's been doing, um, particularly uh, in Beth and Gary's life, uh, in the process of adoption. 
But the first readers of this letter would have heard that word adoption and understood it in the context of Roman law, where wealthy and influential families adopted sons to continue on the family line because daughters had no right to inherit. You see, it was primarily, almost entirely, functional. It was not relational. If a family didn't have a son, or maybe the first son just wasn't good enough, they would adopt a new first son. Now hear this in the context of the letter. We have adoption to sonship. How? Through Jesus Christ. Now we know that Jesus is the perfect son of the Father. There is no deficiency, there is no lack in him at all. So the Ephesians may well have been confused. Why why would God adopt men and women into the place of sonship, of inheritance, of privilege, of blessing, if he already had a perfectly good son? And not just a perfectly good son, but a perfect son. No one did that in the ancient world. And this unveils God's master plan and his character. God never chose us because he needed us. God chose chose us because he wanted us. It was simply his divine will. We're told, verse 5, that he was pleased to do so. Underline that at the end and going into verse 6. It delighted him to do so. It was in accordance with his pleasure and will. He did not choose you in a begrudging way, thinking, oh, well, I suppose I've got to choose someone. No, he chose you in accordance with his pleasure and will. He chose you in a delighted way. And that means that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a new identity and adoption into the place of being a child of God. As I said earlier, my mum and dad, Jill and Pius, are here. And my dad um, teaches singing. He's a singing teacher. If you want singing lessons, he's the guy to go to. And when I was a kid, um, Ben's actually had some singing lessons with my dad once when we went round spontaneously. It was quite a sight. Um, And uh, (laughs) uh, an auditory experience, one could say. Uh, And... uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, when I was younger, he would organise these concerts for all of his students to come together and perform together and perform for each other, get to know each other. And let me tell you, as a little five-year-old in a mini bow tie, I was everybody's (laughs) favourite. Oh, dear. And at the intermission, I would um, help my mum with tea and cakes. You're welcome, mum. It's... uh, Yeah, it was very helpful. You see, everybody knew that I was Jill and Pius's son. No other kid was allowed to run backstage. No other kid was allowed to help himself to as much cake as he liked. No other kid was allowed to go up onto the front row and hold hands with my dad. Why? Because I was his son. Church, this is the type of relationship that we have with God the Father. It's a type of access to God that is incomprehensible apart from these words of Scripture. That we have adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Maybe you have never quite grasped this, that God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And that our relationship with God, we relate to him as a father. 
So how do we live in light of, in light of this relationship? Well, I want you to underscore or draw a line around um, sonship and then point it back to the words holy and blameless in verse 4. Okay, this week I have had multiple conversations on nearly every day um, with, with people in our church family about seeing this identity uh, more powerfully at work in our lives. As a church family, I believe that we are on a journey of a new call to holiness. Holiness simply means living a life that is tangibly set apart for the glory of God. I sense in our midst there is a a growing desperation for personal revival. I sense that it is something that the Spirit is doing in our lives as a church at the moment to draw us into a greater level of holiness, not to earn our salvation, but rather as an outworking of our adoption. And perhaps this is you today. You want to know more of the power of God in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. You want to walk more closely with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Three people want to walk more closely with the Lord today. You find yourself more drawn to prayer. You find yourself even more horrified at those things in your life that do not honour him. If so... Praise God. It is an outworking of the fact that he has chosen you. And yet this can be a hard process. As we become more aware of God's holiness, we therefore become more aware of our own wrongdoing. You may also be finding this if you are new to faith or coming to faith at the moment, exploring faith in Jesus. If you are considering following him, then you may just think, gosh, I don't see how God could welcome somebody who's made the mistakes that I've made or been trapped by the stuff in life that I am trapped by. Well, whoever we are, we all need to hear the comfort of verse 7. Look at it with me. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. All this to say that when God chose you, he did not choose in ignorance. He knew our mistakes, our errors, our sins is the theological word for these ways that we rebel against God. We say, I don't want to live in a way that honours you, glorifies you, recognises you as Lord. That is stuff we call sin theologically. And God chose us knowing that the eternal plan was for Jesus Christ to suffer and die in our place that we may become sons and daughters of God through him. God did not choose in ignorance. It is not as if you tomorrow could wake up and do something and the Lord is up there like, I just didn't see that coming. (laughs) I forgave them before, but that, that is something new. I had no idea they were going to do that. If I had known that, then I would have never welcomed them. I would have never adopted them. You see, for Paul... There's an intimate link between being chosen and being forgiven. If you are forgiven, you are chosen. If you are chosen, you are forgiven. You know, many of us sometimes live as if we have been chosen to earn our forgiveness. 
We live as if, oh, I, I, what, a, what a privilege to be called to follow Jesus. Right, now I need to do everything I possibly can to get God to love me because he doesn't love me already. I've got to get God to save me because he hasn't saved me already. That is not the purpose of God's chosenness. If he's chosen you, he's forgiven you. You may think you have gone too far in rebellion against God. Let me assure you, Christ has paid for it on the cross. You may be overwhelmed by the weight of God's glory and convicted of wrongdoing. Be assured you are forgiven at the cross. Now let us be under no illusion. This amazing truth is not an invitation to sit back and be okay with our sin. This truth, the assurance of forgiveness through the cross of Jesus, is itself a cross on which to crucify our sin, that it may die with him and we may rise to new life with him. But not only does God take this sin from us, not only does he take something from us, he also gives us something. He gives us a guarantee of our forgiveness and our identity, the Holy Spirit, God himself. So finally then, you are sealed. Verse 13. If this is new to you, the word sealed is absolutely nothing to do with the animals that you can see off the coast at Whitley Bay. Glorious though they are. Verse 13. When you believed, you were marked in him, that is Jesus, with a seal, a promised Holy Spirit. Now you might think this is a bit of a, you know, a bit of an odd term in some ways to say that someone is, is sealed. Now what would happen in the ancient world was this, that if you had a precious item, something you valued, something that you didn't want someone else thinking, oh, this looks like a really nice chariot. I'm going to have that for myself. What you'd do is you would carve your mark or have someone carve your mark into a stone or a piece of metal and you would fix it onto the front of that precious item. And that is called sealing. It's marking with a seal. It's an emblem. It's an identity tag. And we're told here that we receive an identity tag as adopted sons and daughters of God. But we're told something even more remarkable. The seal placed on us is not some sort of inanimate stone or metal. Rather, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the uncreated and eternal Holy Spirit. He is the one who testifies to us and to the rest of the world of our true identity. And the fact that he is living, alive, active, living, dwelling inside of us means this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the power of God himself inside you. And he is preaching to us daily that we are chosen and that we are adopted. That we are chosen and adopted. And yet, as we said at the beginning, we also have something else preaching to us daily that maybe we're not wanted, that maybe there isn't a place for us in this world, that what we have to offer isn't valuable. Church, every morning we have a choice to wake up and decide which preacher we're going to listen to. And it's not a choice of which preacher at St Thomas's. You'll be glad to know. We don't put out that many podcasts. (laughs) 
We have a choice of which preacher we're going to listen to. Are we going to listen to the Holy Spirit preaching to us, testifying to us of our identity in Christ, our adoption to sonship? Or are we going to listen to other things? Instagram, social media, YouTube, conversations, people that you know do not edify you and build you up, who preach to you that you are not welcome, that you are not wanted. Which one are we going to listen to? You are chosen, you are loved, you are adopted. It's who you are in Christ or something else. Let us pray that we would choose to listen to the gift of the Holy Spirit who testifies to us as our adoption. And therefore, because we have this emblem, this identity tag, the living presence of God with us, when we stand before God, we do not stand cowering, wondering whether we're going to be welcome. No, we stand with great confidence, dressed in the robes of his son, Jesus, and bearing the emblem which claims us as his. No wonder then that we should live all the more for a life that is free from sin, wrongdoing, rebellion against God, because it is no longer who we are. It's no longer who we are. But know this, as we said over Abby in her baptism, as we fight against sin, the world, and the devil, we are already sealed. We are not earning the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are already given the seal of the Holy Spirit, the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption. We are not earning our adoption. We are already adopted. We are not earning the fact that we are chosen. We are already chosen. It's how choosing works. I wonder how you might feel if you are hearing this today and you know that you're not following Jesus. You wouldn't describe yourself as a, as a Christian, a, a follower of Jesus. Well, all the promises that I've been speaking of, of being chosen, of being adopted, of being forgiven, of being given the gift of the Holy Spirit, are given only through Jesus. In, in your own time, feel free to go away and underline or circle all the times in this passage that it says, in Christ, in Christ, through him count how many there are. But you may already sense, even if you're not following Jesus yet, that God is drawing you to himself. You may sense he's calling me in some way to give my life to him. You may not know exactly what language to put around it yet, but you sense being drawn to church, wanting to find some way to pray, wanting to read the Bible, although you may not even really be sure how. You want to spend more time with Christians, want to connect with the CU. And here's what God is doing. He is drawing you to himself. You are called into a relationship with God. So let's look finally at all that he's called us into. He's calling you into a relationship where he chose you before the creation of the world. You're being adopted into a a family and you'll be afforded all the privileges of being a co-heir with Jesus. And at the moment that you hear the gospel and believe, you are sealed. You're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, verse 13, strengthening you to live a new life of worship to God. So I want to encourage you today, respond in faith and trust in Jesus. Believe that all of the amazing promises that this passage passage speaks of can be afforded to you through him. 
I'm going to invite the band up now as we respond to this. And I'm going to invite us all to stand. So the first thing that we're going to do today, the first way that we're going to respond is this. We're going to respond if you want to start following Jesus today. If you want to have that experience of everything that is written in this passage becoming true of you. And if this is you, I would love you to pray with me. Why don't we bow our heads in prayer? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you want to start this relationship today, I invite you to say amen at the end in your heart to God. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life and by your Holy Spirit be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that, I would love you to come and find me at the end. I would love you to come and find me so that we can pray with you, so that we can give you some, so a Bible and some stuff to get started following Jesus and to help get you connected into church. I'm going to hand over to James now as we think through how else we're going to respond to this. <laughs>